freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. Rock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com, and yes, the Seattle Sports app and all the podcast platforms. Can you uh, listen to the Oscars on podcasts? That's something you can do. Seems like you'd be able to. Yeah, probably. You know what I had to find yesterday was uh, Oscar themes. Music themes. Yeah. So for Avery's party? For Avery's party, yeah. When they, they want to do some red carpet stuff. Oh. So I went looking oh, for some. Oh, did they do like grand entrances? Uh, yes, everybody had an entrance. Nice. Were, yeah, it was uh, quite a scene. Were you a red carpet reporter? You know, I was uh, asked not to participate for the most part, I would <laughs> no. say. No, what are you wearing? None of those? So, yeah, so Avery had a bunch of uh, eight-year-old or uh, 11-year-olds over, rather, yesterday. Cecily had a few friends over yesterday as well for a little Oscar party. Everybody, you know, the kids all got dressed up and... You know, had dinner, sort of watched the Oscars and whatever. They had a good time. Yeah. But uh, ahead of time, maybe a few hours ahead, uh, I was, you know, just going about my Sunday and dealing with Wendell, who pooped on my pants, which was <laughs> disgusting, as always, right? And I was just wearing oh, sweatpants. So, Wendell. yeah. So I end up with like all this poop on my leg and my pants. So, whatever. I take off the pants, throw them into the wash downstairs, along with his pooped on dog bed and his pooped on blanket. And like all of that just sort of goes into the washing machine together. Uh. It's fine. So I walk back upstairs and now I'm wearing like, you know, a long sleeve T-shirt, boxers and socks, which is a great look, <laughs> great look for by the way, in general. It's a great look for anybody, especially <laughs> for me. And I, of course, being a dad, dawns on me like, so, Avery, what do you think? This is what I'm wearing tonight. <laughs> and spent like a probably like five minutes too long trying to convince her that that's what I was actually Gonna wear so yeah. At that point, I was not asked to, to participate. You were excused. Got it. Yeah, I was excused from that part of the <laughs> of the party as well. I was not asked to participate in uh, in anything like that. But because of it, I did end up watching the Oscars. Thankfully, the kids were downstairs for much of it. It's amazing the volume level that you know eight kids or whatever it is can can create. It emanates from. I that mean, room. truly shocking because they came upstairs for a while and it was like, I, I mean, like. Yeah, it was bad. It's, it was not. It was not fun. Did you say how many? Was it five or six? Or? Mm, yeah, it was in that range. Yeah, it was like five or six of Avery's friends, a couple of Cecily's friends. It's like I would say the volume equivalent of what Bob leaves these headphones on, right? I mean, if that if that helps you understand roughly the volume, it's like whatever Stelton leaves these on. Former front man, right? Rock band, who's now pieces. old and probably needs you know. You know, hearing aids, but instead just cranks up the volume in these uh, in these headphones as loud as he can. Um, so, yeah, so I did watch the Oscars in between all of that, and I thought it was enjoyable in general. Congrats to the kid from Goonies for growing up and winning an award. That was amazing. Yeah. And seeing him and Harrison Ford hug was really cool. We were trying to figure out why John Travolta was invited back to the Oscars again after screwing up Adina Menzel's name and then screwing up the apology to Adina Menzel. But he was doing the in memoriam, and then do you think that was because both Kirstie Alley and Olivia Newton-John died? To be yes. right, I mean he's connected to two people, yeah. so I don't know. Maybe it was that. And he, it took me a minute too. Is like he's getting teared up, and then he said helplessly devoted, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, so he he you know two big time co hosts of yeah. his. So I assumed that's what that was all about. Um, but nothing could prepare me, especially because I don't I don't spend a lot of time watching all the Oscar movies, et cetera. 
nothing could have prepared me to see Brendan Fraser win an Oscar. <laughs> nothing in the world <laughs> could have prepared me for that. Yeah. I, I, and I, I spent a while trying to come up with the equivalent. I mean, the guy from Airhead School Ties and Sino Man, et cetera, The Mummy. I mean, this dude made a career out of making movies like the back half of Nicolas Cage's career, right? I mean, like he mm-hmm. spent a lifetime and, a, and made a ton of money making crappy movies that he was bad in. He's now an didn't Aust- even mention, what was that really bad one with Elizabeth Hurley? I don't even know what that one is. I mean, he made, he did Dr. Doolittle. I mean, like, he, he, or Dudley Do-Right, excuse me. Dudley Do-Right, yeah. He made. It dazzled. I don't it even know what that is. 2000, yeah. yeah. He made Horrible. so many bad movies. The past with uh, the girl from Clueless, right? He ended up winning Best Actor, <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Good for him. I hey, mean, it's tremendous. But I found myself trying to figure out, like, what would be the sports equivalent of Brandon Fraser winning Best Actor. My first thought here in Seattle was Bill Bavese winning Executive of the Year somewhere. <laughs> like, that that would be so unbelievably incredible, right? A guy who spent a career essentially blowing up this organization, made some of the worst signings in team history, the worst trades in team history, and the worst draft picks in team history. He's the George of the Jungle of the Mariners. If there was a way to screw up the Mariners worse, Bill Bavese, only if had been given more time, would have found it. Worst GM I think I've ever encountered in any sport. Wow. And he was gone the year before I got here. But when you go back and see, like... You know, passing on Tulowitzki, passing on uh, Tim Lincecum, and then go through like who he drafted, Jeff Clement and, uh, you know, Brandon, uh, Brandon Morrow. And then the trades, the Adam Jones for, for Eric Bedard trade. And then the signings like Carlos Silva. You're just like, it, it's truly like you're aghast. <laughs> it's like the beginning of Brandon Frazier's career. <laughs> so if he were to somehow resurface like with the Cardinals and win executive series. of the year. And a World Series, you'd be like, it couldn't have happened. I thought about something like Deho Lee winning a 100-meter dash or something like that, but that just oh, seems sort of silly. Yeah, but good day. points for Deho Lee reference. I like that. Ultimately, though, I think what, what I ended up believing is that we've already seen it. It's Geno Smith and what he did this year. I mean, all right, maybe if he had won MVP, that would have been like a more a telling. More equal comp for this. But award. like Geno, the only he- difference is Geno was always believed to have had talent. Right, he had yeah. talent, but he was sort of squandering it. Maybe that's true of Brandon Fraser. Yeah, I mean, like the the Mummy franchise, like, people took that seriously. Yeah, but not really. I mean, like se- seriously in like an a- in like a action way, not a like oh my god, this kid's a compelling wow, dramatic the range actor. of this man. But maybe that's what he was supposed to be in School Ties at the beginning, and so all right, maybe I'll maybe I'll consider it that way. But I don't know. It just sort of seemed like the Geno Smith story. Like this guy, there's no way this guy can't be good. I mean, we'd seen him. He had failed in every conceivable way in the NFL. And now all of a sudden, he's making $40 million guaranteed. He got this big contract. He had an unbelievable year for the Seahawks. And I don't seem uh, sort of struck me as being similar. But if you guys have other comps, uh, please uh, let me know. I got Big John and Ballard who says it would be like Deshaun Watson winning Walter Payton Man of the Year. See, that's not right. That's that's just not right. 253 says it would be like Eli Manning winning Super Bowls. Well, All right, oh, that, that actually happened. All right. Um, 
So, yeah, we've got some others in here. I don't know who that is. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, Salt, put your dog down <laughs> is there, already. Is there... This is not normal. Oh, no, I can't. Sad, 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 sad. No, he's fine, though. That's what's so weird about it. Well, you watch the players. Is there a golf, a golf equivalent of this or somebody who is just bad? Yeah, who, like, won no, the Masters? I can't think of anybody like that. I mean, no. Okay. I can't think of something like that. I mean, because all those guys are, like, sometimes good. Right, so wouldn't be, you wouldn't be seeing them unless they were some right. of the best in the world. Right, and I guess in theory that's true of of somebody like Brandon Frazier, but it's, I know okay, that kind of shocked like, me. You know, an emergency goal, <coughs> emergency goalie coming in. Yes, and ended <laughs> up getting the win. team to stand the cup. So I don't. Know, it, it was interesting though, in general, kind of going through the Oscars. How many of the nominees and winners for acting used to be in like lower forms of movies, comedies? Action movies, teen movies. I mean, Sarah Pauly is now a big thing, right? Wasn't she in Go and some of that stuff years ago? And Jamie Lee Curtis finally won. Yeah, I mean, and good for her. What movie do you think of when you think of Jamie Lee Curtis? Halloween. Okay. Why? I think of Trading Places. Oh, no. Inga from Sweden? I don't know. No. That's like the first place my mind goes. 253, Russell Wilson winning MVP. Yeah, I don't know. That's different. I mean, Russ has obviously <laughs> torched his own career. I don't know. Uh, it would be like Kelnick winning the batting title. All right, JP, that's that's unnecessary. How dare you? Uh, Maura, happy birthday. How was your birthday? Thank you. Uh, it was it was good. I honestly was not sure that I was even going to do anything because I was like, oh, after we got back from Arizona, I was like, next weekend, I'm just going to hang out and have a low-key weekend. And then I was like, wait, it's my birthday. But uh, last minute Friday, I decided to uh, go out in Ballard and uh, hang, hung out with Lefko and Justin and oh. Brandon from our website and his fiance. Okay. Girlfriend, sorry. Um, yeah. I learned not to that he's a shuffleboard shark over here because I thought I'm usually pretty good against the people I play shuffleboard. I thought I was doing pretty well, and and he like let he let me kind of feel like I was doing well the first round, yeah, and then he just completely took over. So I was thinking about that because you you texted me, huh? Oh yeah, you you emailed (laughs) us about the the shuffleboard thing, and I found myself a little surprised. I figured that you would have sort of an unfair advantage in shuffleboard with the fingers that go nearly all the way to the (laughs) other end of the of the board. So (laughs) that's impressive that Justin was able to combat your unfair advantage. That you take to uh, every (laughs) shuffleboard game. All right. Coming up next, we'll give you everything you need to know from a crazy sports weekend. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we're just about here. Nine o'clock this morning. The NFL's legal tampering period will be open strangest terminology in all of sports, but two full days of a mad dash to work out deals with free agents that can officially be signed as soon as the league year opens on Wednesday. Seahawks with some money to spend, all kinds of needs, defense, tackle, edge, linebacker, maybe wide receiver, interior offensive line. I mean, there's plenty of needs on the Seahawks team. As for the D tackles, they're going to be pretty expensive. Short supply, Deron Payne just set the market. He gets $90 million dollars for four years to stay in Washington, avoid the franchise tag. So, yeah, going to take something close to that if you want someone like Javon Hargrave, who's now the top defensive tackle available. Jalen Ramsey out of the division. The Rams are going to go into full rebuild mode. They trade him to Miami for just a third-round pick and a random tight end. So they've also cut Leonard Floyd. Everything is changing there in Los Angeles. And, of course, big news on Friday, and we'll talk about it quite a bit today. The first pick in the draft. No longer belongs to the Chicago Bears. They make a big deal with the Panthers. Jeremy Fowler, not sure yet what the Panthers are going to do with it. Well, 
Uh, I'm sure in their heart of hearts, they probably know. Uh, but as far as what they're portraying or what people are saying behind the scenes, no. I think um, you know, with 47 days before the draft, my understanding is they have up to three quarterbacks in mind. It, it's, of course, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and then uh, one wild card. That could be Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. You know, they, they really have no rush now. They just want to get in position to be able to do what they want. And they could back out into another spot. You know, like let's say fall in love with, I don't know, Le- Will Levis, right? Then you know you can get him at three most likely. You could move back two spots. So there's just there's stuff you could do to to maneuver, and uh, you know I think they wanted that flexibility. Can you imagine if after all this, Will Levis becomes the first pick in the NFL draft? <laughs> it doesn't seem quite right, but anyway, it puts Seahawks in a great spot, and we'll discuss quite a bit over the course of the day. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, nice little comeback for the Mariners yesterday to finish off the weekend. Luis Castillo pitched into the fourth inning. Was pretty good, except when he wasn't. Made a mistake. That was crushed for a home run, but also he struck out four. Scott Service, pretty happy with how his ace looked. There we go. Sunday day at the park. Everybody got their money's worth. A little pitching, a little hitting. Um, I think uh, Luis Castillo looked good today again. Um, he's made one mistake, an 0-2 pitch for the home run, but I thought he looked really good. Uh, good signs there. I think uh, I mean, some of the guys out of the bullpen, not as sharp as we've seen them be. Uh, Bernardino threw the ball great later on, gives a couple innings, but you know, the, the B team, the guys that came in behind, the regular guys did a nice job, swung the bats, and, you know, you get these games on here once in a while. Yeah, kind of wild. It was 11-10, 12-11, something like that yesterday. Uh, watched some of that game. I thought Castillo looked good. The velocity's starting to tick up, but still a little bit of a watch for me. I'd like to see him look a little bit better and sharper as he gears up towards opening day. Meanwhile, how about Jared Kelnick? He is just destroying the ball. Here's the 2-1 pitch. Swung on a hit hard. Right by the diving first baseman into the corner. Scoring is Cal Raleigh. Digging for two is Kelvin. Now he's going to high gear. Going to get three. Here's the throw to third. It is not in time. A triple in RBI. Triple for J.K. Jared Kelnick continues his hot hitting for the Mariners. And the Mariners have a 2 nothing lead over the Rockies. I'm pretty sure he's four for his last four with a four runs driven in during that time. A double and a triple. He's just been absolutely scorching the ball every time he's up. We'll go through some of his numbers today. They are shocking. I don't know what else the guy's supposed to do. Roster moves this weekend as well. No huge surprises. Cade Marlowe, Wontan, Justice Sheffield, a few others. All sent down the roster now at 60 as they still have a few weeks to go. Here's the third thing you need to know. Uh, back-to-back home games against one team. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. How does that even so happen? Weird. It feels like a mistake. I, I literally like tri- double and then triple checked it to be like, no, wait, one of those games has to be in Dallas. But no, the Kraken are playing back-to-back games against the Stars here in Seattle. Game one got them a point with an overtime loss, but kind of a bummer, right? You give up a goal with a lead with just over a minute left to tie it up and then another in overtime. Eberle, Donato, Bjorkstrand uh, at least got them the three goals. So they do get a point. And uh, yeah, same two teams will do battle again tonight. Dallas pretty good. They are in first place in the central. Brackets, of course, revealed yesterday. Locally, uh, Gonzaga, a number three seed in the West. So we'll follow them and see how they do. And then uh, Huskies AD Jen Cohen announcing this weekend she will stick with basketball coach Mike Hopkins for another year, a seventh year, despite the last six of them going base, or I guess five of them going nowhere. I don't really know what else she was supposed to do, and I don't know that I would have been looking necessarily for a change, but that's a long time for Mike Hopkins. A long time. I think Percy Allen, who broke that news, is going to be on with Bump and Stacy today. All right, there you go. 
That is everything you need to know, and we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. I will admit there was a time in my life when uh, Selection Sunday was a much bigger deal than it is now. And I know I'll get some complaints, and, you know, it's so funny. I have this memory of driving around in Boston years ago. I mean, like, I got to be 20. I, I, I was just starting in this business, so I was in my 20s. And I just remember thinking, like, I can't believe the shows in town aren't talking about the tournament more. What's wrong with them? This is all I care about is what's going on in this tournament. None of them are talking about it. They were talking, you know, Patriots, Red Sox, whatever. And I was super mad about it. So if you're mad at me because I don't follow it as closely as I used to, I get it. I understand. (laughs) I'll just tell you, like, I totally get it. I understand. I get it. If that's how you feel, I completely understand it. But I don't anymore. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, it used to be really meaningful to me. And I'll watch, it, you know, in and around Thursday and Friday. But I, as I've gotten older, like, the sports I love have become more important to me. And the other ones have kind of dropped off for me a little bit. Um, and, and you can't point to one thing as to why that happened? No. I mean, I think I first lost interest in the NBA. And that eventually sort of led to losing interest in college. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I mean, it's college football. It's not that I'm not interested. I just... I can't. I don't have enough like bandwidth to really spend all day doing both on the weekends in the fall. Like it's just a quality of life thing. But I just I don't know. Like basketball's just fallen off the map. It was probably my favorite sport as a kid. Played it. My favorite sport to play. My favorite sport to watch. I loved it. And I just I don't know. I, I can't seem to get myself interested in it the same way. I'm sure I will end up watching tournament games and the excitement and the way they all come down. The best part of the tournament is you don't need to know jack squat about the teams that are playing. You don't need to have followed them all year. You can just show up and start watching and crazy stuff happens, which is awesome. I mean, that's why the tournament is special and why we still make a big deal out of it. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm alone. I but well, what about WBC? WBC? Do you watch any of that? I did watch a little. It was sort of hard to find. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like you have to really make an effort to find WBC games. But it was, but it was pretty exciting. Yeah, what I saw was great. The environment was great. The atmosphere was great. But I was also watching the golf. I was watching the Mariners this weekend. Uh, you know what? It was a busy weekend, and more is going to take us through all of it. And uh, so there'll be a little something for everybody next. Rock and Salt, Seattle Sports on seven ten, SeattleSports.com. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, this is going to be a crazy week. It starts at 9 o'clock when the legal tampering, excuse me, the legal tamping period opens uh, in the NFL. You're right. And you can no worse phrase. It just doesn't make any it's, sense. It's like it sounds wrong to say. Everything about it. I mean, it's just like basically it's, it's preseason for free agency essentially you get two days where you can talk and agree to deals but not sign them not like most of this probably didn't already take place in the combine illegally but now it's legal the whole thing (laughs) is just totally bizarre but uh it it is going to be a crazy week with all of that going down and and obviously wbc everything else that's happening right now in the world of sports but it was a busy weekend a crazy weekend and more is going to take us through it Yeah, I figured that we could get into a little bit of what some of the Mariners did in the World Baseball Classic uh, this weekend. But we'll start off with uh, one of the actual games uh, we talked about yesterday's game in Need to Know. And then also Saturdays where Kelnick had that triple. Um, The M's beat the Rockies 4-2 on Saturday. And uh, it wasn't just Kelnick. Calorelli and Kelnick hit back-to-back triples. And I wanted to give a shout-out to Root Sports for featuring an all-female broadcast team that game. 
So here's Cal's triple from that broadcast. Uh, kind of thing with the game. But yes, you can go in and see a, see a relief pitcher before you face him. Rush out to center field and off the wall. Daza's going to have to play it, chasing it down now. And Cal Raleigh looking to have himself an RBI with a triple. The first run scored and it belongs to the Mariners up one to nothing here. So I watched that game, quite a bit of it, actually, and the broadcast was fantastic. I thought so, too. Yeah, I don't remember the woman's name from Colorado who did the play-by-play, but I think because it was a split broadcast, right, between Colorado and Seattle. I don't remember her name, but I thought she did a great job. Angie, of course, who we all know and love, was fantastic. But I believe all the production and everything in the truck, I think it was entirely female done, right? I don't think it was just the broadcaster. I think it was everybody Director, behind the scenes yep. as well. I mean, not that I would notice the difference there, but just a cool a yeah. cool thing that they did. It was Julia Morales and Jenny Kavnar. Okay, there you go. I thought all of them were great. Honestly, it was a really, really well-done broadcast. And, uh, yeah, I was watching as Cal and Kelnick hit back-to-back triples in completely different ways. Raleigh kind of took one off the, uh, off the like, kind of went deep, and Kelnick just blasted a ground ball down there or a line drive down the right field line and just kept running for days and just showed off the speed. So they're yeah. both on fire. If they can keep that up. I got some <laughs> numbers on Kelnick. The numbers on Kelnick. Oh, right yeah. Now I don't want to get too far into what you have later. No, I'll give them again. I, I mean, they're that good. So Jared Kelnick has been almost perfect. Seriously. He's hitting 435 in spring training. <laughs> He's got four home runs and 25 plate appearances. He's got an OPS over 1,500, and he has six strikeouts and 25 plate appearances. Quick math, that's 24%. K percentage? His K percentage for his career so far, 30%. MLB average last year, 23%. So he is almost down to MLB average. Now, again, it's spring training, and I know, I know. Salk, shut up. It's spring training. doesn't mean anything. I know. What else do you want me to judge this on right now? You want me to get mad at him because he's hitting well he's and say it's going to stop? Before, but this is better than even anything we've seen so far. He's it? been unbelievable. The swing looks good. He's locked in. He's taken walks when he needs to. He has, I think, one or two walks. But the, the, the lack of strikeouts is probably the thing I would point to most in addition to all the things he's doing with his bat. So, um, yes, Jared Kelnick days are fun. That's like what I tune in for. We'll Seriously, Heather wanted me to, I forget what she wanted me to do. It was on Saturday. And she's like, hey, will you go take out the truck? Whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, hold on. I want to watch Kelnick hit. <laughs> she's like, okay. We sat there. He hit a triple. I was like, all right, I'll be right back. <laughs> Went and go did the thing I needed to do. I've been rewarded. Yeah. Also, Cal Raleigh doing some damage on the right side of the plate. Yes, that's good to see that's as well. Really nice. Absolutely, yeah. Point, yeah. Yep. Although, Tom Murphy's also crushing the ball. He sure so, is. Yeah. yeah. Well, Justin could not stop talking about how jacked he looked walking he around at spring training. He does look he jacked. Strong. <laughs> yeah, big like, even more than before. Yes. I don't know if he's got Robbie Ray's pants on, but like he looks strong. <laughs> Very strong. All right. Well, we'll move into the WBC. On Saturday, Venezuela defeated the Dominican Republic 5-1. Julio Rodriguez was up first, and the crowd went absolutely wild when he hit a single to lead off. 3-2. Rodriguez hard hit, face hit. This is the first hitter of the first game of this tournament for these two teams. Listen to this place. It's electric, dude. <laughs> Sounds a little like Romo, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is um, I actually had to cut this a chunk of that out because I didn't want to have, like, so much space of just cheering. But they were, they were going wild for Julio. 
as they should. Who wouldn't go wild for Julio? <laughs> but Venezuela, Venezuela took down the uh, yeah. took yeah. down the big guns. Well, US Julio and- ended up one for four with a walk. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez was zero for three, but had two walks. And then uh, it was a Eugenio Suarez for Venezuela. He went one for three with a walk, but hit this single in the top of the eighth to drive in a run for them. Suarez line drive pass a reach of Franco. Into right center field. It's another run for Venezuela. Running back. The crowds were electric at these games. Can you imagine if the U.S. and Venez- and the Dominican don't make it? Yeah, that'd be... No. I mean, like, they're supposed to be far and away the two best teams in this tournament. U.S., I, know, I think you're getting to that, right? But the U.S. lost to Mexico last night, and Dominican team loses to Venezuela. I yeah. mean, like... Now, again, those teams aren't bad. It's not like they don't have some players for both Mexico and obviously for Venezuela, but Dominican is stacked. Yeah. The U.S. is stacked, right? And if they are going to end up like, not making the end of this tournament, it just feels like it's going to be a bizarre WBC experience. Yeah, when we were talking to Teoscar about the Dominican team, like he was trying to play it cool, but you were like, I mean, your team. Right, and he's like, oh, really we'll good. see. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, surprising. I mean, a lot of good players everywhere. And then we uh, move into... All at uh, once. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, you want to have some more Oscars. Sorry. Nice. Fun. A lot of good players everywhere. <laughs> All at once. I'm going to let that sit. Oh, you know one thing we didn't uh, get to before I move on? Thanks, Justin. Cool. Is the, uh, the Astros' official Twitter account posted a video of Julio striking out in the WBC what? and wrote, Love to see it, S-E-A. How? Like, whoa. Like, what? I didn't see that. That's really petty for the team account. Could you imagine the Mariners posting something of like Altuve striking out? And, and also, I think isn't Pena on that? Pena's team? on the like, team, Like yes. one of your guys is playing for that team too. It's wow. just weird. Hey, good. I like that. Well, First yeah, of like, all, I love rivalry. Obviously, they're on your radar. Let's go. That's they great. They're building this thing up for this year. All right. Yeah. Bring it on, man. I love that. That's exactly what I'm looking for. You are in mad their at headspace. And they were like, oh, Astros fans. Well, and I thought it was a fan account. And then I was like, oh, no, this is. No, that's just the Astros. Astros. Man, they hate yeah. Scott Service. They hate the Mariners. I love it. Let's go. It's fun. That's perfect. <laughs> Rivalries are great. Let's have a second brawl this year. Got the Angels <laughs> off the list last year. Let's check the Astros off this year. You told Whoa. Service you were going to stop bugging him about it because they had it last year. Yeah, and then we had our dinner and I asked him about it. I was like, so you guys going to get into a fight this year? Seems <laughs> <laughs> like I wish you weren't a liar. Here on Albert. I don't, I don't really want to see anybody swinging on him. I do. Ugh. Oh, my God. Ugh. Get Haggerty in there. Some little jackrabbit punches. Bang, 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 bang. That's who you want. Okay. All right. Well, Sunday, Harry Ford hit a three-run home run in the top of the fourth to pull, a kid? To pull Great Britain within two runs of Canada. His teammates were waiting with a robe and crown mm-hmm. at home plate, and he was knighted. Harry Ford, left field and deep and gone. Oh, cup of tea indeed. Uh, he's going to get to wear the crown and the robe, and he'll be touched by the sword in that dugout. And how about that young fan? That's right. Get the robe ready. Get the crown ready. Here comes Harry Ford. There it is. Wow. Your Highness. Young doing the duties. A three-run shot. Very nice. A little Buck Martinez in, uh, doing the color there. Your Highness. That's great. He just turned 20. Yeah. 
he keeps torched that he's ball. the youngest player in the WBC. Yeah, you youngest, uh, youngest got to hit a home run in the WBC. Did you see the Great Britain uniforms that they're wearing? Not great. Dude, it's so there? funny. It's like they made the font too small. It's just like they took some random Microsoft Word font, wrote Great Britain, slapped it on a gray jersey, and said, let's rock and roll. Yeah. It's just bizarre. <laughs> it was odd. It's awesome. I love it. I'm all in on that. Mexico's jerseys, though. <laughs> Those look good. That whole I like that Great Britain's colors. keeping yeah. it simple. <laughs> Good for Harry Ford. Um, well, and, then, and then knighting anybody who hits a home run, yeah. obviously. Unfortunately for Ford, his three-run shot would end Great Britain scoring, and mm. Canada would notch a mercy rule victory, oh. winning 18-8 to eight after only seven innings. Six different Team Canada players had multi-hit games, and Tyler O'Neill went four for four with four RBI. Oh. Uh, but Matt Brash came in to close things out and went three up, three down. To Deshaun Knowles. Got him! Ball game! Canada finishes it in the middle of the seventh. Matt Brash out of the bullpen. Yeah, mercy roll. I always say Brash is best when he's got a mercy roll save to lock down. <laughs> that's, that's, you have said that. You're right. I've always said that's when his slider really plays best. <laughs> Do we know if he threw the cutter? He did. He did? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. You know what else is pretty cool about uh, the um I wasn't WBC? watching it, the 18-8 uh, to 8 portion of that game. What? got Matt Brash who can punch tickets. <laughs> it's true. He, Mark DeRosa, manager of the Team USA. Oh, yes, I think I knew that. So, yeah, I hopefully he's going to be very intimidated when they play Canada and have to deal with Matt Brash. That's right. Yeah. When you two found out MLB Network was coming to oh. uh, spring training, you're both like, Mark DeRosa? Is Mark DeRosa here? I know. We're so disappointed <laughs> when it like ended up not being DeRosa. I like Amzinger. Yeah. Kind of hoping for a little DeRosa. <laughs> Good for Matt Brash. Look great. All the all the Mariners look great. All right, come on. What else we got? Let's get to the golf. All right. Well, uh, oh boy. Well, I just have who I'm won, and then you're going to finish. No, uh, Italy defeated the Netherlands seven to one on Sunday. Matt Festa, and, uh, yeah, Matt Festa pitched one scoreless inning. So yeah, two in the eighth, and our uh, friend Ryan Roland Smith was on the call. You see, this uses a sinker against the lefties. That's this the situation with him giving him the most trouble is the lefties. He throws that pitch right there. That's that little cut fastball, 90 miles per hour. Good pitch. Mike Piazza, Quite the, the, whistle. Ma- the manager of the Italian team. As he should be. Of course. I watched a, a little bit. I think it like came on after something else I was watching, and I was doing my, my homework for our show, yeah. so I didn't change it. There's some show, I don't even know what channel, maybe Fox. Uh, FS2. A lot of the games were on FS2. No, this is, uh, I'm talking about Mike Piazza. It's uh, one where they're all training, um, like, special forces people, and Mike Piazza's in it. He's intense. The world's toughest test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, some of the, Danny Amendola Amendola did pretty well. Oh, I think I have seen Um, that, or I've seen ads for that. Like, he's a lot older than the rest of the people, and at some points they were almost telling him, like, you've got limits, and he just was not, he was not not going to give up. Yeah. Pretty tough in there, but sometimes it was a bit like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> All right, sorry, that was a sidebar. That's a good one. We'll though. move into the Kraken. Uh, they lost their second straight game and a hard fought loss to the Stars on Saturday, as you mentioned. Oliver Bjorkstrand, Jordan Eberly, and Eberly and Ryan Donato all scored, and Vince Dunn had two assists. Uh, they kind of appear to be dominating possession in overtime, but with only about a minute and a half left, Max Domi found Miro Hiskanen and. Um, in front of the net with a saucer pass, and he just kind of tipped it in for the game winner. Um, they did move one point ahead of the Edmonton Oilers for third place in the Pacific Division because they lost to Toronto on Saturday. 
and they get that other shot at Dallas we were talking about. Yeah, I'm Dallas good team. Players even talking about how strange it is. I've it's never, never heard of that happening. It is so strange. So what? Dallas just hangs out here for a few days. They get like a weird Seattle vacation in March. Thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't. Know. That part is weird. Kraken have to clean this up, right? I mean, I get this idea and of. A good team. Yeah, they were in it, but yeah. But you, 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 that's two games in a row that you've led up late goals that have ended up costing you. And I, don't, I didn't get to see the game on Saturday. I was out, so I don't know who was on the ice for that final goal. I mean, th- this was a problem for a little bit for them early in the season. It seemed like they cleaned it all up, and now they're going to have to do so again. And it, it, you know, this is also what happens when you don't make moves at the deadline. Your guys are going to have to step up, and right now they're not doing that. So. Every time this team has been pushed, they have found a way to be resilient. Every time they've lost a few in a row, they've found a way to right the ship almost immediately. So I'm not going to sit here and start pressing a panic button for the Kraken. They've they've just earned, I think, a little bit of trust factor that they're going to get it going again. But again, you know, as you're creeping up now to the end of the season, because they don't have incredible goaltending, because they don't have great special teams, power play, penalty kill, etc., Going to keep your eye on whether or not they can keep winning without those things that become more important as you get towards the playoffs. Yeah, they're just they're just in a tough spot because they're they're good enough to hang with some of the best teams. Like that game, yeah. that they played almost a flawless game against the Bruins the first time. They did, but they're just not quite consistent enough yet. And they probably did need another piece of the trade deadline. But I, I see what you and Brock were saying about like, is it time? Maybe it's maybe we should just be excited with where they're at and not give up. I am happy with where they're at, but, you know, I wouldn't mind if they decided to, like, get really, really good. I mean, that would be fun, too. Yeah. But I get the argument of, like, not wanting to. They're not quite there yet. yet. They're not quite there yet. And Shane Wright's still got to come up and develop. And there's some time. They have a lot of upside. They do. Um, They can play some really good games. A lot of tough teams on the way, too, in this last 15, 16 games. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, I've had my heart set on the playoffs, and now, now I'm... Uh, yeah, no, I'm worried. Oh, I think they'll, they'll still make, make the playoffs. Make the playoffs. Yeah, it's just whether or not they, they end up with anything. a with a you know a, a top seed is unlikely right now. But who knows? I think it's play all their games on the road. It seems you really, really, really love. <laughs> That's true. All right, uh, we'll move into what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> uh, Scotty, Scotty Scheffler wins Players Championship. He closed with a three under sixty nine to finish. Uh, oh, or sorry, to finish and won by five shots. Received the biggest winner's check in PGA Tour regular season history, which I believe is $4.5 million. Yeah. And that's all I've got, Salk. What do you well, have? Well, it was, it was a, first of all, the players <laughs> is a fascinating tournament. That, that golf course is super challenging when there's any wind blowing and there's just three or four holes that can completely destroy you. And when you they ever everybody- this one? No, I've not played Sawgrass. I've been there, before, actually. I was there for a wedding uh, years ago. It was before I played golf. It, you can now play for $850 if oh, okay. you know that appeals to you, which it doesn't really appeal to me. But um, it's really hard. I mean, there's water on every hole. And then you get to 17 and 18, and you have to make these really crucial decisions. And you can see the entire tournament kind of change off of them. So I love watching the players. It's fun. Similar to the Masters, it's at the same place every year, right? So you kind of know the holes and... I don't know, this whole idea of it being the fifth major, sort of that. It's a little more elevated than normal events, but it's not quite at the level of the majors. I, I just, I thought, and I got kind of ratioed on this over the weekend, but I don't care, I'll say it again. Yeah, I saw you doing the, some complaining. I'm not complaining. It was the first time I've noticed that the live guys weren't there. So I watch PGA Tour every week. 
I'm super invested in it. I watch every week. So at the end of the tournament, when you've got some guys out there that are not big names, I'm still reasonably interested because I know who those guys are because I watch more golf than a human should. But I also get that most people don't. And I thought this week, because Rory didn't play well, didn't make the cut, because Rom was sick, Spieth was kind of out of it, like Justin Thomas didn't play particularly well, you kind of look at it and you're like, man, the leaderboard, other than Scotty Scheffler, is kind of empty. Would it have mattered if DJ and DeChambeau and, you know, Kepka or whomever was still there, Cam Smith? I don't know. I mean, a lot of the response was, well, those guys aren't playing well. Okay. But maybe they would have been playing well if they had stayed on the PGA Tour instead of deciding to basically end the competitive portion of their career by going to get guaranteed money every week. And almost nobody's playing as well as Scheffler. That's right. But maybe he still runs away with it. Well, Mike, the good guys weren't good this week. I know. That's sort of my point. Right now, let's say there's 10 guys on tour that are super interesting. Maybe there used to be 15. And does that give you more depth to handle a week where a few of your best guys either withdraw or don't play well or whatever the case may be? So it wasn't bad. And Scheffler is absolutely on fire right now. And he showed it again yesterday. I just I thought that it was the first because I have not missed the live guys at all. I was just saying a week or so ago, like, man, I don't even notice that they're gone. And then last week, "Eh." kind of miss them a little bit this week. Now, I'm sure that'll ebb and flow, and we'll see how they look if and when they play in the majors. But that was uh, first time I've really noticed Uh, it. Is is Scotty Scheffler the oldest-looking 26-year-old you've ever seen? Other than Greg Oden, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Greg Oden. I mean, let's start that conversation with Greg Oden. Just call it the Greg Oden Award, and yes, you could give it to Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, Yeah, you told me Scotty Scheffler's 40. I've been like, yeah, looks, looks good for 40. He's 26. Yeah, that's bizarre. He, he's just like, I don't know how to say it. Like, I feel like I'm shaming him. He's just. <laughs> say what you said earlier. You said it perfectly. He looks like if Pixar made a person. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, like just, I don't know. Maybe it's his chin. Pixar or... made a golfer. Yeah. You end up with Scottish. Yeah. He's like, he's not like he, he's got like a baby face fat face yes. or something. It makes him look bigger, but he's not fat. Yeah, he, just, I totally agree with that. I don't know all. what it is. He just looks older than Well, he, he is just, he's on fire. I mean, yeah. he's driving the ball yeah, as well as anybody, striking the ball as well as anybody, short games as good as anybody. He's really been incredible. All right, a couple other quick notes here to round it out. The um, the Sea Dragons won this weekend over the Brahmas, 15-6. And I think uh, I saw that Ben DiNucci became the first XFL quarterback this season to 1,000 passing yards. Out of way, DiNucci. So, yeah, DiNucci. good for the Nooch. And then also Who's he we play have for? <laughs> the dragons. Oh. The sea dragons. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then uh, we have Gonzaga getting the number three seed in the West region for the NCAA tournament, which looks like everyone's saying that's the toughest. Oh, they get the tough one. Yeah. But they get to stay closer to home. True. Okay. Their first game, Grand Canyon, should be pretty easy, but then they'll have it tougher either TCU or Arizona or Nevada, I think. Man, I had a dream about the uh, about the bracket coming out, which is odd for me, but I did legitimately have a dream about it, and I was on the radio trying to go through like all of the teams in the bracket and was shocked to find that like Estonia was on there, and I was like, "What? now we're just putting countries in the NCAA tournament? Like, that's not even a college. So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at, I guess, with the tournament <laughs> well, right now. Shout out Montana State. They made it to the East. 14 seed. Montana State? Montana State. They now... Facing off against Kansas State. As a Montana guy, don't you kind of not root for Montana State? I mean, I 
people are going to hate me for this, anybody in Montana, but like when I see a Montana team in anything, I just buy just de facto in. like, hey. Even team, though it's in Bozeman. Team 406, let's go. Even though they're in Bozeman? Yeah. My uncle went to Montana State, so I kind of okay. have to also. My what? sister's at Grizz. My uncle's a Bobcat. It's the way it is. I have to cheer for a little bit. All right. Well, we'll see what happens when Brock steps in here in a couple of minutes. See how he feels about you cheering for <laughs> the Bobcats. Uh, sorry. I don't, sorry think he's gonna be, I don't think he's going to be very happy about what he's uh, hearing. It's just my guess. Yeah. Is what it is. Is that our trip around the weekend? That is. Wow. Busy weekend. And we are now about two hours away from uh, the start of legal tampering. Yeah. So. I mean, I left most of the NFL stuff out because I know we're going to dive into that with Brock. Heavily. Yeah, very busy weekend. I caught the end of the Sounders match at the Primitive Brewing in White Center and saw that there's a red card handed out in that game. But wow. Lost one to zero, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. So there you go. That's. The I think this is because uh, uh, aren't we com- we're coming up on St. Patrick's Day, right? So I think you're getting yeah. uh, big six rugby is this weekend, uh, which Brock and I watched a couple of times while we were in Dublin together. It was awesome. See, I mean, first of all, that country's obsessed with it. And the big six is like... Oh, the Six Nations? Oh, I'm sorry, Six Nations. Yeah, whatever it is. It's it's Ireland, Wales, England, France... Scotland. Scotland, and somebody else. Uh, Italy, maybe? I forget. But it is Italy, intense. Yeah. It, super intense. And uh, the year we were there, Britain was going for the Grand Slam wins, basically to go undefeated in the tournament. And Ireland beat them in the final game to prevent them from... uh, Brock and I watched in this bar. It was insane. Awesome. People were so into it. And then they go... You can ask Brock about this. They go to, like, their version of the halftime show, like, their commentators. If you think Stephen A. Smith and some of our guys are loud, oh, my God. These guys are screaming at each (laughs) other, like, I didn't say that! You didn't say that! Like, they were screaming about everything that had happened in the match and, like, old feuds with each other. It was pretty crazy and super entertaining. Yeah, to you're watch. right. Four so. days, 22 hours. There's a countdown on SixNationsRugby.com. Yeah. Ready to go. Really, really well, Now really that you brought that up, we should mention that the Sea Wolves are also four and zero right now. Oh. I think we've covered. We That'll go. The, the whole gamut has been covered from <laughs> golf to rugby and back. Uh, Brock will step in next. I will say this: the Seahawks' entire draft changed on Friday, and looking forward to discuss that next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten, SeattleSports.com.